Hello and welcome to the Conscious Living Podcast in partnership with The Muslim Vibe, which is a not-for-profit online magazine that seeks to inform, inspire and empower young Muslims in the West. I'm your host, Zaini Pindwani, osteopath, fellow of applied functional science, functional medicine enthusiast and naturopath. I'm also the director of 12th Health, which is a holistic, integrated health clinic that aims to empower you towards better health. I believe that health is more than just the absence of disease. It is a journey of well-being that allows you to fulfill your potential. With these podcasts, I aim to show that health can be improved from a variety of lifestyle philosophies and habits. I'm going to be speaking to a diverse range of fascinating and exciting people from the grassroots of our communities who spend each and every day inspiring us to be present, stay healthy and fulfill our potentials. Through these conversations, we will share some simple, practical tools that can enable us to transform the way we live our lives. I believe that we all have a purpose, and if we are healthier, we can experience more, and if we can experience more, we can live truly. Very honoured today to have uh, Dr. Mohammed Abbas Khaki as our guest today. He's an award-winning London-based doctor with a very busy schedule, I hear. Uh, alongside work in the capital, he's an international medical volunteer, an educationalist, a media doctor, and a founding trustee of a global charity. His achievements have been recognised nationally, where he was voted as one of the Pulse's top 50 influential GPs in the UK. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Pleasure's all mine, pleasure's all mine. So, Dr. Mahalabas, yeah. let's start with what got you into medicine? We're going to talk about your travels. Sure. And I mean, one of Pulse's top 50. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you I, definitely I, got I some influential yeah. Uh, yeah. work that you're doing there. But what got you into medicine and serving other people and, and, and helping others? Um, uh, I mean, getting into medicine was my mum being a typical Asian mother and forcing me to do it and saying, you know, I, was, I like football. And she said to me, no, you will be doing medicine in a very sweet way. Um, but... Um, so was I there think, a passion I think about yeah, bringing think, into serving others? And yeah. I think that's what it is. Again, yeah. it root, roots from, from having great inspirational role models. Um, I mean, my my father has been serving other people and doing things for the local community, his family, um, the wider community for so long. He is just a powerhouse. He does so much. He lives his life to help other people. Um, and the way he goes about it, I mean, he's he's been doing medical relief work for... 30 plus years wow. and he is I mean he's a pharmacist by trade but those days they were trained almost like doctors so he he actually trained me he's got so much experience and he still is is still going around the world trying to do as much always telling me oh, what about here what can we do things here you know always thinking of new ways to help other people and then you know I joke about it but my mum is it has been amazing in, as an inspiration as well she is one of those people who who has unbelievable amounts of courage and extraordinary energy she is always ready to go and help other people to, to the point that you could call her at two three in the morning and say i need to i'm stuck in this location she'll say no problem i'm awake even though she was never awake you know she'll get up she'll do it her mission in life has basically been to help and serve other people mm. i think seeing those two um has been very helpful for me i mean i remember when we i first said i'm going to go away somewhere uh you know to somewhere abroad that's kind of scary and my mum said to me you know expect your mum to you know be careful she said Okay, when are you going? I said, oh yeah, I'm going to go this time. She said, okay, no problem. I'll cook some food for you and the other... Do and I was like, you know, she was just like, go. Go to the middle of this war zone. Do what you can. That's why you're kind of... Uh, you're lucky to be a doctor and help. So I think that's kind of where it all probably stemmed from, really. Wow, fantastic. I mean, talk about war zones. Yeah. That is light, light bulbs moment, right? Yeah. Doctor traveling to war zones. 
you know, type of medicine that mm. you get to practice over there. And I mean, the, yeah. the, po- the point of this podcast is, the, the name of the podcast is Conscious Living. Of course, yeah. It's all about you trying to live more consciously around your health. Mm. But we mm. said we're going to take non-health mm. as well mm. and see how that influences health. Now, I know today in the UK, mm. it seems like medicine as a whole, yeah. not from, we're not talking from the doctor's perspective, but from the patient's perspective, mm. has become very standardized mm. in the sense that you know what you're going to get um, mm. and you can go to a doctor at any point in time and sometimes maybe we take health for granted in the sense that we've got you mm. to look to and we'll just come to you for lots of things and sure. whatever it might be and that may be fine but there may be some simple tools and things that we can do ourselves mm. now from your travels away and we were mm. going to talk about those stories yeah, that you've course, had yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah, sure but i mean war zones yeah. the type of standardized protocol measures that you can have in war zones yeah. when you know things it's are happening there is yeah. totally different mm. um I wonder if you can share some experiences. I know you've been to very, mm. very many different places. One that rings bell to me is Myanmar. I think that was the, the most recent mm. one, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. But um, places where there are troubles, there are difficulties, whether they be yeah. war zones or other. Um, and what experiences you've had in, t- in prescribing medicine, if you like, in these countries and how very much different it is to sure. the way we might be prescribing it. I here. mean, I, I think it's really interesting you say that because one of the most surreal experiences that sort of stands out is this time a few years back we were in the car um, going to some remote village in Iraq and then um, I, I was fast asleep I tend to be fast asleep wherever I would be and the, the I hit this laughter that's woken me up and I said oh you know I sort of woke up I said, what's going on why is everyone laughing and I said to the guy I said you know what why is everyone laughing for us and he said oh d- don't worry doctor you know sleep sleep I said no no you know why is the driver laughing so much and he said because we were in a convoy you know a few different doctors together and he said it's he said he said oh don't worry I said well, no just tell me he said well, he said, all you guys wouldn't be sleeping so soundly if you knew that ISIS had control of this road two days ago. Wow. So sometimes, you, sometimes, yeah, so sometimes you do think, shoot. And, and I, but what, I remember what it highlighted to me was the fact that we do take a lot for granted. You know, there's, we were driving to remote parts where they had no access to healthcare. But imagine you live in that war, war-torn area, you know, area that's constantly be threatened by um, any, anything, really. It's such a volatile place. The places we were giving medication to, you know, the, these guys, they they were so happy to have someone who looked out and cared for them. And but they had such a, a huge amount of health needs. And it was just incredible to see how how obviously how amazingly resilient they were, but how amazingly sometimes we take things for granted. You know, the amount of health care we had, you know, I would give people medications and then I'd realize, hold on, in a month or two, how would how would they now they run out? How how will they cope without that medication, or or the knowledge that they have a condition that needs medication that they can't get access to? Mm. Um, so some of that was was really kind of sobering, really kind of um, made me very thankful and grateful for what we have. You know, you mentioned that protocols and standardised treatment, and actually everything we do here in the UK in the NHS is evidence based. Every single protocol, everything we do is based on research, and that means that. Anywhere you go, you're going to get standardised protocol treatment that's always going to be the same wherever you are, whichever locality. And that is such a blessing to know that it doesn't matter where you are, which locality, whatever you know situation you're in, the treatment's going to be the same. But I think also there's something about, like we discussed, so about you empowering say, yourself. Would you say mm. the treatment is the same in terms of what you may prescribe, mm. but it's different to the people that you meet and individualized treatment has now well i'm sure abroad it would have become much more apparent in terms mm. of their individual needs i remember us chatting at one point i think yeah. when we were traveling and saying well the people that are living in this vicinity 
their health needs is essentially warm clothes. Yeah, right. Exactly. Which yeah. we may normally think, oh, their health needs. We think medicine, medicine or we think yeah. some kind of, but actually just warm clothes yeah. uh, or, or loving care. Yeah. Um, have we lost that here in that sense? Okay, we don't need warm clothes. We may not need those kind of um, physical needs mm. apparent, a roof over our head, but I know for sure loving care mm. or even to the extent of saying um, just time of listening mm. to each other and spending time with each other yeah. or even just the, the component of saying, look, have a bit more water, mm. get a bit more hydrated, the yeah. simple things that we, we tend to do. And I know I'm drawing you out of that, that discussion yeah. around... I think, it's, I think it's really important because I do think that... I mean, it's a societal thing, isn't it? And I think there's a lot of things in today's media um, and a lot of stuff that we see that is all about the me and the I and I need mm. to kind of go somewhere and you can do yeah. the most in your yeah, life. Yeah. And no one ever yeah. talks about us as a community. Mm. And actually, we, creating communities of change is the key. Working together and making sure we all uplift together is the whole point. Um, I was working on the weekend and um, we were in the car and we went to see a, a patient and that patient was so unwell um, and they were, com- but they had no carers, they had no one who was looking after them, their family had left them and we ended up spending about two hours trying to, you know, it, it's quite graphic what happened, how unwell they were and kind of situation, you know, hygiene, etc. So we spent a lot of time and, and what I realised was, you know, where are the people who are supposed to be looking after mm. this person? Well, you know. I, I could have gone there, given the antibiotics and left, but I, I, I just couldn't bear to do that. So we had to spend a bit longer, you know, get all the social services bits and all the other bits involved. And we're, we're lucky we have those services, but, you know, we can't just rely on those services. We as people have to take responsibility. We have to go and help our neighbours. We have to be aware of our family and be looking after them. And so you see any difference compared to that mm. when you've been travelling? Mm. So if we, I don't know if you can bring in some examples of some mm. of the places that you know you've visited. Yeah. And knowing that sometimes in those war torn countries or yeah. when there's difficulty, I tend to see, especially when on TV and things you see this, that they stick together a lot more. People stick together and they have these old practices, if you like, of medicine inverted yeah. commas yeah. and nobody can yeah. see me yeah. doing the development yeah. but in yeah. medicine yeah. but actually a lot of those old practices work for them because they're built around I'm not talking again I'm not talking about medication or around that perspective but things like um, caring for their neighbour yeah. you know taking care of their child wrapping them up warm I mean there's, there's some things that we even see that y- you wouldn't expect us to see kind of in our clinics even in, in the UK you know things that are th- are things that are taught and passed on from generation to generation are helped by the fact that we have social support. You know, how do I do this? You know, is it normal for my baby to do this or that? And things that I'm more than happy to see in my clinic, but things that I think previously, and speaking to colleagues of mine who are older and been in the game for longer, weren't things they saw a lot because we've lost that community vibe. We've lost that sort of ability to help each other and the actual time we make for each other. Mm. But also, to some extent as well, there's there's the... helping ourselves like we've talked about it as well you know obviously there are things we can do for our own health and the amazing thing is in this country we have so many facilities and we have such a good public health method message of how to live you know how to live healthy all the kind of things that are there so just to draw on that and draw on that you mentioned about when you when you went to these war-torn countries Mm. or or when you visited these different places um and you can tell us a few places that you have so we we get a, a gist of what what that feels like um you mentioned about you leaving and then not them having the ability or the medication left. Like if they run out, what mm-hmm. do they do? When we're sitting here, and I mean we're sitting here in a cozy room, it's a bit chilly. Yeah. But there are some people who 
currently maybe living over a roof that's leaking mm-hmm. uh, and freezing cold yeah. uh, in the middle of in Syria, for example, yeah, or, yeah. Or, or somewhere else yeah. uh, around the world where there's oppression going on. And they must have, I don't know if you've experienced this, or maybe you went there and you thought, I'm not, I never thought about that. I never thought about that helping them. Mm-hmm. But they must have tools to survive mm. uh, in, in those circumstances that maybe we've lost being in a, in a comfortable situation that we're in, that maybe if we do, mm. could improve our health. Uh, I'll give you some examples. Um, uh, you know, for me personally, when I went on my journey and, and, and within osteopathy and, and looking at health from a very holistic perspective and package, there were sometimes simple things. And I, I knew that if I eat unhealthily, mm. it would make problems in, and havoc in my body. Mm. But now, just by changing small things mm. myself, I've realized that actually it can make a huge difference. I, energy, focus, all the rest of it. And I'm just thinking, when you've visited these places and you've yeah. seen those poorer places and, and, and war-torn countries, um, the people who have to live every single day without the help of their their systems that we have here, mm. they must have come with different tools to help them, different medical tools that maybe we could use and, and learn from. Um, just simple things like, particular nutritional yeah. needs. I mean, think- what, what you'll notice is a couple of things. I mean, one of the, one of the strong ones is in mental health related. Okay. It's to do with the yeah. fact that actually <clears throat> they refuse to allow themselves to be beaten by the situation. Right. This is um, what I'm... Oh, the Rohingya I'm population, yeah. for example, recently went to work in Bangladesh. They, they were one of the most resilient and amazing populations. I mean, that was one of the most, and we'll talk about it a bit later, but one of the most difficult places I've been to. Right. And despite that, all the challenges they face, they're such an unbelievably resilient population who have got to, from Myanmar to Bangladesh, walking for 10, 12 days, getting cuts and bruises and, and running for their lives for safety. But actually, when they get there, they're so like resilient that they've kind of been there for such a long time. They they look together, they work together, they refuse to, to allow their situation to dictate how they're going to be. Do you feel that's been something that's, that's, that's helped them through... I mean, we're scared of small things like you know we go out in, in schools in nurseries and we just had that conversation about my son not being well we're talking about nurseries mm-hmm. and saying oh there's too much bacteria and there's too much viruses these guys you just mentioned yeah. about them walking across sure. god knows yeah. where they've been yeah. and what cuts have been affected and all the rest of it yeah. but their resilience and the, their work together ethic has actually improved them physically yeah I th- as well i know that i think you're right i think about- i mean things are always different so it's always hard to say it's always hard to say course, well yeah. we're not because you know everyone has their own challenge sure and i think if you're sometimes it's easy for someone to go oh you've been to x country okay wow you now compare everybody mm. oh you know what well, we have this and they don't have this so therefore we're not as good i think it's a bit it's much more Grey than that. It's to do with the fact that look, if you're born in the West, you're used to this standard of living. You have certain expectations. You have certain understandings of how the world works. Mm. That's one of the reasons traveling is so good and working abroad has been great to open your eyes to what's out there and how lucky we are. But if you've only known this, then you only have certain expectations. You know, if if these are your issues, then they're your issues. So I think wherever you are, you'll have certain issues. But mm. I think I do th- certainly think their resilience has has demonstrated how how that powerful um, tool can help coping with life's challenges um, I think also you know in all of these countries what you'll see is people are out there working with their hands working with their feet using their bodies and limbs to actually create a living for themselves Much what does it teach you it teaches you that health physical health is really important and actually getting out there and doing something you know we we live in such a technological place and world that 
everything has to be online you know of course everything is we need computers we need all those things but there has to be some element of integrating physical health in and if you're not doing that part of your work then you have to find a way to do it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no that's interesting you yeah. learn that from from traveling abroad. yeah i mean I, yes. I see it because i see these quite old, old people who yeah. if you for any other reason they would expect you to be really unwell to have you know lots of comorbidities or what we call kind of medical problems they're suffering with actually apart from a couple of things that occur as you get older you know aches and pains and some visual dis- disturbances that kind of stuff the kind of the, the some of the problems you expect to have high blood pressure high cholesterol things diabetes they're actually not as high in in all these remote villages why because you're not sedentary you're not sitting down you're active you're going out to do things, mm. helping, you're man, you know, manual labouring, yeah. that kind of stuff. It's that typical picture of, um, you know, the person cooking on the floor, yeah. sitting squatted on the yeah. floor, cooking dishes for, for their local community. You know, it's, I, I definitely agree. We've become definitely much more sedentary. I don't mm. know if you see that within your practice here course, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and simple things. I think exercise as a whole, I'm just basing it on this point, has become a little bit of a oh, gym mm. or I need to do a sport. But I've switched my conversation now to mm. talk about movement rather mm. than exercise. Yeah. I've seen and, that, yeah. and I know we had this conversation yeah. on TV once, yeah. actually, didn't we? Um, talking about movement rather mm. than exercise and saying, hang on, let's just move. Yeah. You know, let's just, you know, I know now with my son, for example, crawling around on the floor, my dad's now getting on the floor, crawling around with him. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, great. You know, yeah. that's the kind of thing yeah. you need to do. Exactly. And, and, and get moving. And it's not just, you see, it, some people think about, exercise as the physical benefits and obviously there's the long-term benefits and all the other things but that part of that resilience i think is also to the fact that exercise releases endorphins Mm -hmm. it releases happy hormones Mm -hmm. it makes you more positive happy and that affects everything you do Mm -hmm. and that translates we've seen so much research about how your mood translates on your physical health yeah so those kind of people who, who may seem more impoverished or may not have as much material possessions actually what i see is they're much happier because they're a community who care about each other. Wow. Their ba- the happiness is not based on the having the latest things that is and living that lifestyle because ultimately it's unattainable. You can't you just can't keep up with how technology is changing and how much new stuff there is. But what you can do is look after each other, make sure everyone's well, make sure you're spending quality time, and those things. Even kind of research on on happiness shows that at the end of your life, people look at those as your me- measures, not how much stuff you had. Have you seen it translate within kids? Uh, abroad as well when you've seen children uh, abroad and in well, these countries yeah, and yeah. when we talk about seniors but also children being much more I mean they have to have move around a lot more just because of the scenario that they're in yeah. um, but then at the same time they live in fear mm. but I remember when we traveled uh, when we traveled to Iraq together but yeah. I recently also traveled uh, away as so, well yeah. and to see the kids, they're still playing on the back of a pickup truck, yeah. you know. I mean, yeah. next door, the house is completely down to the ground. Oh, kids are kids. And I mean, you, you, I bought my nephew some sort of, I don't know, something from some sort of play thing, toy, yeah. you know, for his birthday. And, you know, two minutes later, I think, oh, is he enjoying the toy? He's just playing with the cardboard box that <laughs> the boy doesn't care about the toy. So this is kids, you know, kids will... And, and I think that's, you know, it's a really kind of important, important thing to, to, to see that, you know. Brilliant. Let's, let's move on to mm. a bit about the highlights of your trips as well. So we want to get into a little bit of those stories, actually. We're really interested to, for the audience to kind of listen to what have you seen? Um, you know, what, what have been some of the highlights of the things? Maybe people have said something to you yeah. while you've been traveling or you've seen certain... Uh, circumstances that you know just translate to how we we live our life in terms of gratitude and, and thankfulness for what we have or yeah. even 
you've learned things yourself. And I know a lot of the time, more than what they gain, sometimes we gain um, more, but yeah. just by learning the experiences they've been through. Yeah, and we've talked a bit about in the past about how people go to kind of to get that sense of satisfaction from helping other people. Because I think if you look at the if you look at how happiness is derived, really happiness is often derived from helping other people. Mm. You know, there's there's social experiments about how people are given money and then they're given say hundred and fifty dollars or something and they said go spend half is spent on yourself, half is spent on someone else and they measure the happiness before and afterwards. They find the people who spent on other people were happier than the people who bought for themselves. Fantastic. So I think you know there is that, and and I think that's there, there's a number of reasons you go out in the first place. You want you see someone suffering, you see like a war torn place like Iraq, or you see the refugees in Calais or Lesbos, and you have to go. Um, and I think that was those were the reasons you know I felt I had to go because I, I couldn't sit idly watching. You know, even even if I even if I couldn't do anything huge even if I wasn't someone running the show at least I can go and show my solidarity mm. and, and try and, and say look and, look I'm with you you know I, I care about you you know I, I might be one person but I just wanted to come here and tell you that I care about you and, and that I if I can help then I'll do anything I can to help you know there was a couple in Calais who were walking around with who were carrying tents in there and there were this old Irish couple and they just walking around and give people tents. They're like, we didn't have anything. We just had a bit of money. So we bought some tents. We've come here. So pe- people come and give. And obviously then you develop your understanding of how the, the sector works and how we can actually make an impacting change and how it's important to set up long-term institutes, which is what we've done in, in Bangladesh and what we've done in, in Iraq, where we set up clinics where people are being treated. Or we t- training people in mental health so that they can actually continue that whilst we're gone. You know, in Bangladesh, in Rohingya, we've gone to with the amazing charity Doctors Worldwide we've created a fellowship in refugee medicine which is being taught like lots of NGOs with the uh, input of the UN wow. so so that's being taught is there something the... where the audience can actually go and visit what, what's happening if there's anything that any posts uh, any websites yeah, or anything like that they can is Doctors Worldwide is it, yeah. as in it's a charity but can they go and see that kind of work and, and yeah see? I mean if you if you look at the we'll put the, it on the show notes as well yeah, yeah but, of course yeah um, I mean I think it's all on the there's, there's some good imagery on, on YouTube and I think as well on their on the website they've got some, some reports and things mm. but I mean, I mean I think it's all it's all about kind of going in for, for, for me it was about that was how it all started yeah. and then I think when you meet kind of people you know I, there's certain things that stick in my head you know there was the there was a neurosurgeon in Calais called Sultan, I think his name was, and he he was a neurosurgeon just sitting in a camp in Calais, and he said to me, "If I'd known it would be like this, I if I'd known it'd be so undignified and inhumane, I would have preferred to live in my stay in my house and get killed by ISIS, wow. rather than stay in this camp here." You know, right. it was, it, and I, I was thinking, wow, like that's the choices you were you had to make. Neurosurgeon. neurosurgeon. His his daughter was a consultant pharmacist who basically lectures at universities around training farm. She's you know high 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 flying. You know, just it just hits on the point. I mean, we just had a podcast um, with uh, Pastor Matt Sprink actually. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about space, mm-hmm. we're talking about having opening up yourself mm-hmm. and listening to the other story. And you know, you've gone there, and if it wasn't helping people you've listened to the other person's story and just by doing so you've learned so much from from people that you know this this person's come how long how far away has he come on Mm -hmm. and what kind of journey has he took and he's coming all the way over here Mm -hmm. we need neurosurgeons i mean here neurosurgeon would be awesome i mean it makes you question a lot of things about how how the world works and it and it and it makes you feel sometimes very upset and 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 angry with how things are you know 
I remember still vividly, you know, some of the the kids we treated in in Lesvos, and I remember being at the beaches and, and collecting them from the from the dinghies and things, you know, things that you see on TV and you, and you and you can't believe it's actually real, and you're and then when when you've kind of got them back warm and they're moving to the camps and you're kind of still there and you look down and you look at this pebble beach with pictures of just children or documents you know people have bought their whole life documents you, you, it reality hits you this people have left their whole life for for search of just basically to stay alive and they've they've sacrificed everything and they've lived in this inhumane situation and this is a real life crisis unfolding in front of your eyes and i don't know it's it's very sobering it's very it's very painful it's very painful um and it and it's very difficult that that's I think there's of... more to to being a doctor yourself you know you've you travel these places you've seen these places and mm. um, i know being you said <laughs> at the beginning mom brought you into becoming yeah. doing medicine yeah. but um having gone through that and knowing that you have the capability of supporting someone mm. from a health perspective being mm. that first um, need if you like of yeah. a lot of people yeah. you know having that behind your back and knowing you've studied that and knowing that mm. you've got that background yeah. you know it's given you the opportunity to sure. do that but those who aren't, aren't doctors essentially the work that you've been doing over there or even Myanmar or what other work mm. that you've been doing around the world um, they can get involved of course yeah right? I mean I think I think sometimes people like the last thing I want is people to think you have to be a medical person to do this you know one thing I've already explained and we've discussed is that there's a lot of social need here. There's a lot of other things that are there that if you actually care and if you not, not, I mean, no one's care. What I mean is if you really are passionate about getting into doing this, there are so many avenues for you. Everyone has a skill set and they can do so much. I mean, the Bangladesh situation, for example, you know, it, it's all about multifaceted ways to do it. So if you, if you're really passionate about it and you want to, you want to get to the source of it, which is, you know, Myanmar's treatment of these uh, refugees uh, or this Rohingya population, then we have to start lobbying our MPs. We have to start writing letters. We have to start being active. If you, uh, obviously the easiest way is always to donate money. Um, I mean, easiest being, you know, if, you, if you've got money available, but, you know, the easiest access to help is always to give some financial aid. So there are ways to do things and also like sometimes we think oh you know i've got a lot going on i've got this that the other and we know that look we're in brexit time you know it's it, we don't know what's happening the world is uncertain people have lots of challenges and i can understand people wanting to focus on kind of the things that affect they're facing as well um but when you see someone living how they're living and you hear and, and see the, the actual level of disparity how little people have i think there's something in you that has to say look i can do something so even if it's saying you know well, I can't go out there. I don't. I don't have time. I've got kids. I've got commitments. I've got work. But you know what? I'm good at. I'm good at cake, baking cakes, or I'm good at running, or I'm good at anything. Why don't I raise some money with this method mm. to, for a charity? You know, mm. you you can turn anything into helping other people if yeah. you want to. It gives you a sense of purpose. And I, um, this might be a bit mm. of a difficult question here. Yeah. We're going to yeah. kind of tap into this, but you know, sometimes. Um, here, it's, let's say in UK or in the West or even comforting places where we're comfortably living. Yeah. I mean, we've got all these challenges that I 100% agree. But do we sometimes um, neglect some of the simpler things that we could do? Like, I mean, if I enjoy running, mm. if I'm going to do the marathon, why mm. not do the marathon with raising money for, for these people? Or, Absolutely. you know, how much how much I pay attention to plastic waste, yeah. how much I pay attention to food waste. Yeah, you know? Absolutely. 
it's great that my flat complex now has got food waste bins coming. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're putting food waste into that and hopefully then it's being recycled. But it's those simple things that actually it provides a sense of justice in you as well in terms of you have a purpose, even though I can't feed that poor person around the globe. There's an I amazing story that mm. um, that you, you remind me of is when it, it, it's a biblical story of when Abraham is being thrown into the fire. Mm-hmm. And at the time, there's a kind of a, a parable that's told of a frog that carries water from its mouth and then puts it in this great fire, which is something like a, a half a mile length. It's huge. It's so big you can't get near to this fire. And kind of the the parable is, you know, the, the frog is asked, what are you doing? You know, like, you, you've got, you can't do anything. You've got a tiny bit of water. By the time you go back, you know, it's nothing. You're not doing, making any effort. And he says, well, I, all I can do is what I have in my capacity. So my capacity is to carry this water and put it on the fire. So when it comes down to the end of it, when I'm asked, what did you do? I'll say I did whatever I could. Mm. And I think that's what it is. I don't think everyone needs to go out and, you know, go and try and go and do this medical relief work. And even even the way that I'm looking at it, building in longer systems, it means that necessarily I won't have to always go out and do things. It may be that we can build capacity other people, give them training, teach them like we're doing in Bangladesh, um, or how we're doing in some of the projects in Iraq. So I think we have to look at how we can impact however we can and that might mean exactly what we said it's it's about switching your intentions and i think obviously look we, we live in a really tricky situation because consumerism is massive at the moment we have yeah. so much i mean if you look at the marketing and advertising industry it's been already been discussed how much how many messages are being thrown at us you know there's so much you must have this you need this you must keep this you must have this you must look like this you must do these things you must speak like this you know there's so much about what you must do it's very hard to you, you almost lose your identity you have to have all these things and and the consumerism impacts in so many ways because you've got the the actual element of supply and demand the more i need clothes the more i need the latest thing the more somewhere in a, in a third world country someone is working harder to get to mm. get to keep up with the supply and therefore you know their working conditions are worse their health is impacting you know, that financially not being remunerated or not being able to use it for whatever they need. So there's so many impacts on other people who, nameless people who we don't even realise. And then you've got the whole mental impact on yourself. You know, just recently, last few days, we've been talking about celebrities endorsing diets and diet plans and Mm. pills and all these things on on Instagram and social media, aren't we? And, And actually there's a massive discussion about how should they really be allowed to do this? And, you know, I mean, we're One. saying the rise in, in, in just in the stress levels of, of communities and us as well all the time. And we're not talking about stress. We're not talking mm. about um, the simple stress that we think we should get when we're just about to have an exam or something like yeah, that. Yeah. We're talking about this constant yes. mind working like, oh, I've seen this on Facebook. Yeah. I need that as well. Yeah. I've seen this on, uh, on Instagram. Why, it, it's, it's, why am I not it there? It all comes down to the thing we mentioned, which is gratitude. Mm. We, it, it comes down to the fact that we have so much. You know, if you if you see someone at the poor, at the most difficult has that been, situation, has that been one of the words, like key take home words for you in traveling abroad, in terms of the fact oh, that you've yeah, gone away? Yeah. And, I, think, I think when you go away, you, away, you can't see anything other than gratitude. how thankful you are for yeah. everything. You know, for being in, put in a place where you have support, you have healthcare, you have a roof over your head. Mm-hmm. You know, the room we're in right now is you know couple of meters by a couple of meters it's it's not that big this is bigger than most of the houses in the villages we go to in iraq wow. and they don't they're not they're stone they have no heating you know they're, they're kind of at night it's freezing in the day it's baking because of the way it is they sleep here they eat here 
you know and just to give the audience a bit of a flavor i mean this is about about six seven steps yeah i think pretty much and i'll get to the end of this room yeah. so talking about six seven steps and yeah. and about four about small six, steps six steps that yeah. way as well my size so, steps, you know, yeah. your, size, <laughs> your size steps yeah. and people are living in those in those uh, areas and um, I mean, some of the things we, we look at is gratitude and, and thankfulness. Um, and it's now becoming something that's prescribed, if you like. Yeah. We're telling patients to go away and say, hang on a second, every night before you go to bed, just be grateful for, mm. for three things. And, mm. and I thought this was a bit of a funny thing, actually. Um, and this may be a practical tool that people sure. can take away. But once I started doing that and I started thinking, all right, three things I'm grateful for. I had like a bucket list of things, actually, but I had to narrow it down to three of the most grateful things for yeah. that night. Yeah. Um, and it's, it makes a big difference. You sleep feeling de-stressed, number yes. one, yeah. thankful massively, mm. and actually a little bit more happier. Yeah, um, in the sense that, you know, you're, you're feeling good. And if you're feeling good, health improves. And, I mean, massively. parables of, of great philosophers and leaders, Hassan, the son of Ali, he says, um, uh, Al-Asqari, he says, that it's important for you, it's incumbent upon you, it's important for you at the end of your day to reflect upon that day. Mm. You're not, you, you won't achieve anything if you, unless you reflect. Why? Because you actually realise, shoot, I've got so much. I've got so much. I'm so lucky. I'm so thankful. Everything, you know, if you can open your eyes, you know, and, and look out, I know, and it sounds so cliche, but if you can, you're, you're, you're just so lucky. If you can move your limbs, you're so lucky. You know, ask someone who's not able to do that how lucky you are. And obviously it's something I'm lucky in. I'm very lucky in, in the sense of being a medic. I see this a lot and people suffering in different ways. And, and the, the day job allows me to say, to, to understand how lucky we all are. And I think anyone who's had their health removed away from them knows that actually health is one of the best blessings we have. Yeah, and actually, wealth, isn't it? The, mm -hmm. Yeah, and the way that people look at it nowadays is is, is actually other things are happiness. And But actually what you'll see is all these kind of people who are out looking outward for happiness you know, validation from other people, social media stars, for example, they're now all being treated for, or a lot of them are being treated for depression, or a lot of them have deleted all the Instagram and, yeah. and, and, and their posts and have kind of gone into, checked into the Priory or other places because they're really suffering. Because actually gratification in, in, from other people is not real satisfaction. Satisfaction is from within and knowing that, you know, you're happy with what you have. There's a great saying by Ali who says, he sort of walks past a graveyard and he's teaching his disciples and he says look at look at he sort of says to the graves he says look at, look at he admonishes the graves and he says look at look at your houses right now someone else is living in them and look at your money someone else is spent spending it and look at your family people have remarried your husbands or wives he, he sort of says look all those things are transient he says the only thing you've got is the, the actions you had you did they're the only things that stay with you and the only things people remember about you so I think once we realise and realign, um, we'll see that. And I think that's something you see a lot with kind of when you work abroad, that people haven't got many material things. Mm -hmm. and, the, and, the, and the basics of, once they get the basics of a shelter and, and food, they're very happy. They're very, that's all they need, really. So Dr. Mohabas, you know, sometimes um, a lot of the audience, or even myself, might be thinking, you know what, what I've listened to today and just understanding that you've got to be more grateful and um, and appreciate things. They might feel like 
actually, I want to get involved, and, and maybe this is a passion of mine, yeah. that I want to get involved yeah. in, in doing something like this, even if it is in those smaller ways that, that we talked about. Um, what is What are kind of the projects that you're currently working on, if, if you can share, in terms of, because um, we talked about, you know, things are happening in Bangladesh, things are happening in Iraq, things sure. are happening. But if you give like a bit of a, a background on, on some of the work that's being done, yeah. um, you can keep it brief, obviously, just talking about what's actually happening. So that what we can do is we can say, if anyone feels like this is a passion for them, and, you know, when I'm treating patients, a lot of the times I tell them, okay, you got this back pain, shoulder pain, things like that. But I know there's stressful situations in their background and things like that. Mm. And some of them have hobbies um, that they want to get back involved in. So cycling or sport or something like that yeah. or or some people might feel like actually i had a mom and a dad who supported others all the time like mm. you did um and i want to do the same mm. i just don't have an output for that and, yeah, sure. and maybe they're not looking for that and, and this might be an opportunity to see yeah and i, th- I think do. one thing that i would say is look I, I i was lucky to have had the chance to go to a few different places and i and it was something that i consciously did you know i, I took my annual leave and i paid with my own pocket to go but what I would say is that if it's not something you're able to do, it doesn't matter because there's so many places and things you can do to help other people. You know, we, the, the charity who's saying, for example, has got a team of 100, 200 people in London who are going out and feeding the homeless in London. And then they progressed it to... So we just pause there. Sure. You mentioned uh, that, that charity. Can mm. you tell us a little bit more about, you know, I mean, it's called Who is Hussein. Yeah. Um, we'll put this on the show notes so you, sure. that people can see kind of work they're doing but mm. one of the biggest works they're doing and this might be something really practical and probably answered my question there yeah. about what people can do locally yeah. to get involved and I know they do this food drive on a yeah. Saturday um, so, so for example we're in London so we talk about a little bit about the London team that they're doing some amazing work I mean Hussein is a charity that started seven-ish years ago and it was inspired by Hussein who's a seventh century revolutionary and he was a champion of social justice and dignity for everyone and he championed that cause such that he even gave his life to preserve that message to to make sure the ideals of society were there and it's really based on his concept of well who is Hussein today who are the people who are going to champion those people today and it's about saying we anybody can do it so the London team they're, they're not medics they don't know anything about medicine for example or that kind of stuff you know but what they did, what they know about is how to care for other people. What they want to do is do that. So they said, well, we can feed the homeless. So now we'll do a weekly food, food drive. Then they developed that into, oh, maybe we can help rehabilitate them. So let's give them CV workshops. Okay, now we've done that. Now some of them as homeless people are off the street because of that. And wow. they think innovatively, they give them USB sticks. Or our team in Birmingham, for example, who, who've started a food bank that's used by homeless and non-homeless people. You know, because right. we know food poverty in the UK is a big issue. Or, you know, wherever you can be. So, you know, we, just this morning I got a message about a, a team in Pakistan who has donated a lot of clothes to charity at, to all these impoverished places around. Or an India team who's gone and fed, I don't know, 90,000 people. A few and months, kind of to reiterate on, the, on those points, mm. yeah. Um, that's medicine as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I don't think we, we see it as that. We yeah. see it as our oh, medicine is, is, is something else. But if you're rehabilitating someone, yes. getting them off the street... yeah because they've been homeless and now they're getting a job from it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the first step to health yeah, for that particular holistic, holistic care, it's always been about holistic care. Yeah. When you when you practice medicine in the country, you're taught treat people holistically. Biologically, yes. Psychologically, how they've meant mm. so, but socially, so socially, important. Yeah. Social yeah. is the key, really. Mm. It's the glue that holds everything together. Mm. Um, so if we can do that and rehabilitate, um, and, and you know, even if you just want to start a campaign, you know, some of our... Some of the team in, in other countries have won awards because they wanted to advocate the, the concept of 
donating blood. So they, what they, they t- teamed up with the blood donation service from their health care and then have broken records in, you know, in all sorts of places. So, so you know, so it, it's really kind of what you want to do. Yeah. Um, and if you're really passionate about helping people, like, why don't you speak to who is saying, you know, email them. Their, yeah, their I mean, we'll put it on the show notes, but if, if someone wanted yeah. to come in there, uh, and and view what's being done. Sure. Where do they need to end up? Where do they need to start? Um, and and what do they need, where do they need to go? So who is the saying is one one spot? I mean, is it is it good for them to turn up on on a Saturday? Is it does it still happen yeah, I mean, on a Saturday? I, yeah, I mean, if they're in London, look, you email email London at who's the saying dot org. They'll, they'll tell you everything. But I think, and even if you're not in the UK, listening to this, you know, email. Um, admin at who is saying to org they'll give you all the information but of course there are lots of lots of lots of charities available and yeah. around who are doing great work great. and i think the key thing is find what you're passionate about and if you're and and just start fantastic don't make an excuse you know when i first flew out to i, don't, I can't remember where, where i think it was bosnia was the first country i ever went to and i didn't really know what i was doing <laughs> you know i was on a plane i didn't hadn't, I had a bosnia handbook you know i was trying to like learn how to say these phrases i didn't know if i was reading it correct you know and then you just start and you learn and you get more experience and then over time you you go to different places then you take all of that and you realize now how do i think about it strategically how can i now use this to set up a clinic here or do something that's long term how can i now transfer this into helping people? taking that first step it's yeah. just saying let me try and do something uh, and then that then yeah. And, the, and the gratitude of the people is huge you know mm. I think when like I was saying about Rohingya um, and we went to went to Bangladesh um, the impact is, is is so great and it's not that, that's not the reason you do it but it's something to remind people who are listening that actually you're helping someone in need I remember this lady she was kind of she's the one who, who I remember the most from, from my time in Bangladesh and she was hanging around the clinic hanging around the clinic for like a good one or two hours and I was just seeing patients I'd actually come to observe the doctors to see how they were doing their work and how we could improve their process and how we could train them on triage assessment that sort of thing but their clinic was so busy that I just had to after a while I had to jump in and help them because it was just too busy and I remember this woman standing there one two hours she was waiting and she kept smiling looking around I said you know what's she doing you know why she's waiting so desperately then when she finally came in I said oh, you know been waiting for hours everything okay she goes yeah I just need some multivitamins and I said, multivitamins? And I thought, hold on, all these North London mums who come and tell me that my child needs multivitamins, really healthy child. I thought, hold on, what's going on? I'm back in North London. And I said to her, oh, you know, why do you need multivitamins? And she was just smiling. And I said, she said, I just need them. I said, oh, you know, you've been hanging around for two two hours for multivitamins. It's, it's quite a long time, you know. And then she said, yeah, yeah, I know. I said, are you sure? I said, you know, you look quite... I was just trying to work out what it was about her. I said, you know, not everyone needs multivitamins, you know, how's your appetite going? Um, and then she just sort of stopped. She had this massive smile on her face and, and first time it faltered. And then she didn't say anything. I said, is everything okay? And she said, yeah. And then she sort of began to sort of tear up a bit and she said, look, I've not actually eaten for, I think it was three months. Wow. And I said, what do you mean? What do you mean? And she said, yeah, it's been, you know, it's been, um, it's been three months I've been here. My husband and my son were killed in front of my eyes and I just can't eat thinking about them and I'm here on my own I came I don't know anyone here I've got just these clothes wow. on my back and I and, wow. I and I said and then she said I've not showered for for the time I've been here so what do you mean she said oh, you know I don't know how to shower without a bucket that's all I'd learned and all these kind of different showers they have yeah I don't know what I'm doing so I'm just 
just sitting here. And that's why I want the multivitamins because I can't eat. And and then you know the the translator who himself was actually a Rohingya boy helping us, and he he was he just stopped translating, and we kind of held each other's hand, and it was very and she you know. She reminded me, I looked down at her sheet to look at her history and it was, she had the same year of birth as my mum and I said, God, and, the, and then I said, oh gosh, you, you remind me of my, you know, you're born in the same year as my mum. And she said, yeah. And she said, you, you look, remind me of my son. And I, and then that, that really stuck. And I thought, oh, you know, I was broken at this point. And then, you know, I've been doing relief work for a while and, but this was the first time that I'd really like, I found it very difficult. And then she said to me, she said, oh, you know, he's also like you. He's very cheeky. He doesn't listen to what I want. And then we sort of laughed a bit. And, and then I said to her, look, you know, I could be like your mum, your son from afar. And she, she was quite happy, she, you know. And, and I said, and then she was like, you know, you're like my, I said, you're like my Rohingya mother. And we had, you know, it was nice. And we kind of, we teared up, but then we kind of got back to something. And she said, oh, so what happened to the multivitamins now? And are you going to, you know, and we kind of, she's very, she was a very cheerful person, but she was having this front and, and, and then, you know, as we went away and we kind of spoke to them about getting her all the things she needs, the bucket and the clothes and someone to look after her. And one of the coordinators, Kutub, he, he said, I'm going to keep an eye on her. And he keeps WhatsApping me updates of her, you know. Um, she, she, you know, she was like, I'm so thankful that you've come. Like, even though I know, you know, you've got a head off and you're not going to be back, you know, just thank you so much. And and it wasn't about the gratitude, but it sometimes you, ha you when you see it you think yeah you are doing something and i think when people are thinking should i get into this field should i spend that time away from my business my work my energies things that are going to benefit me for the sake of someone else i would say look there is someone out there who you could help you could impact and you know you may not see them again you know i'm not seeing her, her name is nora i've not seen nora again for you know since then i do look at her photo but i haven't seen her since and um and yet you know someone out there knows that i care about her and she knows that you know wow. that i was there first so i think and i think that's the whole point of this that you I know think... so, so, you, you don't realize the impact you have on the on the people in the, who are out there they they think oh there's someone who cares about me and it helps them it gives them that support no that that story i think um i mean i'm welling up you know it's a touching story and i think that really sums up uh, um, what we've been trying to get at in, in through this podcast and through discussions with you as well about you know sometimes that one person I mean you were there for how long were you there for you were there yeah, for like 10-14 days, 10, 14 days but that one moment it stuck with you and it's something that you're going to probably you know keep up with hopefully and, and, and yeah. carry on with and know the updates of her progress but Honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure, pleasure to have you on the podcast. But with every guest, I always like to um, just ask them, where can people find you, if you don't mind? Um, you know, maybe it's a specific uh, email address or something we can put on the, on the show notes. Yeah. Maybe it's Instagram or social media that we can follow. I know you've, you've opened up a new social media, haven't you? I think it was... Yeah, I'm, like, you, you hear what I think about social media. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's, you're right, people need to stay in touch with me. So I think it's just, well, it's Dr. Kaki is, is my name, so you can, I think... When I sort out my handles, it'll be there. By the I time, think, by, I think by, the time this, by the time this social media, by the time this uh, podcast goes out, I'll have sorted out some sort some, of some, 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 some some social media. Okay, so yeah. so we'll look out for that and maybe put that on on the show notes. So if people sure. want to get in touch with you, yeah. but um, just for your audience, you know, there's, there's been a, a lot of things just to summarise a lot of things that you can do practically, yeah. um, just locally in your own life. But mm. also, if you want to get involved, you mentioned about who is saying charity. There's so many more charities. Yeah. Uh, doctors, uh, what was it that you went with? Um, doctors worldwide. Do doctors worldwide. Yeah. Um, doing some great stuff there as well and and i mean if you are a doctor if you are in the medical profession 
and Absolutely. you're thinking I want yeah. to get out there and do that same yeah. work then yeah. uh, hopefully we can get you get in touch with you and, and, and see what work yeah, you can do Instagram me on the Twitter sphere <laughs> <laughs> that's just me messing around <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there eventually yeah. um, but anyway it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. My pleasure thank you um, hopefully we can get you on again maybe for something any, uh, something more specific maybe yeah, another absolutely. journey of yours uh, anywhere you're going thinking about going next or anything planned for, for next journeys uh, we've got a couple of things yeah I mean uh, the most important thing is <laughs> nothing it's not, it's being not, shared yeah. right now, it's not, it shouldn't be voluntourism is what I always think right. you know, it's not about me going out to get selfies and things. it's of about not. making an impact if there is something to do you know I'm going to hold you on that I think our next podcast should be on volunteerism mm. I think that has a big impact on, on, on what we do every sure. day as well yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and the character that you should have volunteering Fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're not going to go into it. It's going to be yeah. another forty-five minutes. But uh, thank you so much, and thanks, and, and thanks for having us. Uh, thanks for having us. Thanks for having you on the podcast. Yeah.